career sucks. Sex just isn't the same. What's my purpose? Where did this fat come from? My relationship is killing me. I'll never be happy. My debt is piling up. I'll never find love. Why can't I be like other gay guys? Hey guys, it's time to get a grip, stop whining, make a bold move, and do something amazing with your 40-plus gay life. Let's get to the show with your tell-it-like-it-is host, Rick Clemens, who does his best to never act like a dick or a diva unless you act like one first. Hey guys, on the other side of 40 plus or maybe you're just on the cusp of 40 plus and one of the things that often comes up as gay men over 40 and as men over 40 honestly is oh my gosh we're aging we're getting older things are shifting things are changing what do i do about all this well a lot of times it isn't just go visit the doctor pop a pill it can be some other things that need to happen besides regular exercise good nutrition all that sort of stuff but one thing that so often gets overlooked and seems to be so much more of a female-centric conversation is what about hormones and what's going on in that part of my body and as guys a lot of us here like oh the hormones and all this sort of stuff that happens like if you're bodybuilding and all this stuff well that can be a piece of the puzzle too but i'm no doctor but luckily i have some well some help today to kind of navigate through this because what i've learned in my own journey as a guy who's aging and gone through some medical stuff is, hey, I'm always going to look for alternatives. Like what else is out there? Well, today I'm bringing someone onto the podcast. His name is Sean Fitzgerald. He's from Matrix Hormones, and we are going to use his leading authority on what does it look like when you talk about hormone replacement and some of these other therapies to really enhance your life, your world. And I'm going to invite all of you, because I used to be a guy that was a little bit of a doubting Thomas on some of this stuff. And then when I started doing some of these things, I'm like, wow, I felt better, started sleeping better, all these different things. So I'm going to invite you to open your minds and listen to what Sean is going to share with us. So Sean, I really appreciate you being here, man, and doing the work you are doing out there for men, because I think this really is always been very female centric sort of narratives, right? Yeah, I would agree with that um, because it's generally well accepted in the medical community that women will have hormone fluctuations. They go through menopause, have lower um, estrogen and hormones that can lead to hot flashes and other complications or just poor quality of life. And um, men are basically have traditionally been known to just suck it up. You know, part of aging, getting older, but uh, the increased awareness that we have with testosterone replacement and andropause. Um, mm-hmm. As so kind of what it's dubbed that men go through lower testosterone levels as we age, um, is increasing awareness and giving men alternatives yeah. to, to have a better quality of life as we age. Well, and that's the thing is, I think a lot of us go, okay, well, we got to exercise and eat right and all this stuff, which I'm never going to say that that all that stuff doesn't matter too, right? Of course. <clears throat> But sometimes we miss the point on, hey, what else can we do here? What are the other alternatives that can happen when we, again, kind of what I already said, like when we open our minds and we do the stuff that, you know, can be helpful to us in so many ways. So I'm going to start from the perspective of in my own journey. And, and a lot of my listeners have learned this. I'm a two-time stroke survivor at this stage. Wow. Um, we're feeling pretty good about directions we're going. I have done testosterone replacement. That helped in some areas of my life. I'm currently on Ozempic, which we can kind of get into that. That's mostly been for my diabetes. But 
it has definitely enhanced my ability to where I thought I'm never going to get this weight off and we can call it COVID weight or whatever it was, but it literally was like right before COVID. I'm like, I am just putting on weight like crazy and I'm doing all the right stuff. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's a matter of us realizing, Hey, let's go look at other stuff. So when a guy starts to realize this and he comes to you or meets with you and your team or comes into your world, what are some of the most common things that men like, uh, I don't know if I really want to talk about this or, Hey, I need to talk about this, but I don't really know what to do. What are some of the most common things guys come to you for? Um, so as far as the most common symptoms, uh, lack of motivation, low energy, fatigue, um, don't get enough sleep or trouble sleeping, sometimes depression or anxiety, um, those are going to be more prevalent in veterans. We work with a lot of veterans um, that suffer from PTSD. And um, we find that a lot of the issues that they have are due to low testosterone. Hmm. Um, being on high alert, you know, serving overseas, sometimes um, in those battle zones, they're always in that parasympathetic state. So they're always in that fight or flight mode. And that can just deplete your body's testosterone, you know, over time. Because mm -hmm. we're not meant for long periods of stress. So we have had successfully a lot of veterans that were able to either discontinue or reduce a lot of the medications that they were prescribed for depression, anxiety, or antipsychotics even. And sometimes even those um, that are sleep aids. So, um, and then of course, low libido is another common one uh, or poor erection quality that some guys, um, you know, are going to be a little bit hesitant to, um, you know, discuss or talk about. Because it's a little bit sure. more personal, yeah. But usually, I would say on average, because when you're talking low testosterone, a lot of guys uh, seem to be a little bit more open-minded to it. Um, some of the older guys a little bit more embarrassed from it, and that's perfectly understandable. Um, I try to be very professional uh, in speaking with men, so that uh, they feel a little bit more comfortable um, when discussing those kind of things. I just, you know, see them as a human being, but also as a patient and, and being a professional, so they're not uncomfortable you know, in that yeah. aspect. So, cause so, we're certainly not here to pick on anybody and, and, um, you know, make fun of any condition that someone's suffering from at the end of the day, we want to improve their quality of life at any way possible. So let's kind of, let's kind of go into the testosterone thing. Cause when I, when I first, <laughs> you know, started using some replacements, I was probably, I'm going to say early, early fifties, late forties. And my physician kind of recommended it. <clears throat> more so because I don't want to say necessarily it was libido, but there was a lot of fatigue and everything going on. So let's talk about why is it so important to keep these optimized testosterone levels as a part of our being as men? Um, there is a lot of research that shows testosterone um, helps increase um, longevity in a way or more health span. Mm -hmm. So, Longevity, like lifespan, would be the length of time you're alive, and then health span is the quality of life that you have while you're alive. And um, so, having optimal testosterone levels have actually been shown to decrease a lot of risk um, of common illness or disease, such as um, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, which the two tend to be interrelated, um, and even prostate cancer. So because the time in our life when we're usually where they're healthiest is when we're teenagers or, you know, early 20s, when we're still going through puberty and most of those hormones are going to be at their highest levels, you know, their peak. 
and um, naturally they're meant to decline with age because from a perspective of human beings, how long we've been on this planet for, we were never really meant to be alive as long as we are mm-hmm. currently. <laughs> so, um, so most men didn't live past the age of uh, 30, you know, even right. uh, just uh, several hundred years ago. Um, so with the increase in technology and healthcare that we have, we're able to extend our lives and I personally have worked in hospitals before in, in medical care system, traditional medical care. And um, even though we can help people live longer, mm-hmm. um, mainstream medicine fails to improve quality of life when we're still here. Gotcha. Um, so um, that's one of the things that we do different is we're very proactive, or at least matrix hormones, we're very proactive with someone's health improving their quality of life, trying to reduce risk of illness or disease as we get older, um, and uh, helping increase um, how they feel as far as energy, motivation, um, you know, improve quality of sleep. So uh, sometimes we find it can be due, due to nutrient deficiencies, um, and then sometimes just, you know, the aging process, you know, and yeah. some people will get into why, you know, we have lower hormones. We do work with men in their 20s that have very low testosterone for being in their 20s, Mm. um, which uh, is becoming more common or prevalent these days. Um, And again, some people will pose a question as to why that is occurring. To me, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what the cause or the reason is. It's more addressing, you know, what the problem is right now. You can get into the nitty gritty of the cause, you know, of why someone might have low testosterone at a young age, but it, it doesn't really improve the situation to know why. Let's just take care of it now yeah. <laughs> and improve their quality of life. And I think for many of us guys, even if we have a doctor that we feel comfortable with, these conversations are not easy because we've been so ingrained as men like we're just supposed to get through this. Like we yeah. can figure this out. We can go do this. Right. Mm, and so macho. then, yeah, be macho. And then couple that, you know, and my, my audience is predominantly gay, man. If you couple that with like, Oh, you're such a sissy or whatever, because you're gay, you know, all that sort of, sort of stuff then prevents us from having these real conversations. And then on top of that to go, wait, there's so much confusing information out there. I know, you know, TRT replacement and all this sort of stuff at, at times has gotten some really bad raps. So what are some of the misconceptions that some of your patients come in with about, okay, well, is this going to really work? Which is probably one, like, is this really going to work? You're saying it's going to do this, but what are some of the things that you see a lot of people like, "Mm, no, that's not exactly the right way of looking at this. What are some of their biggest questions? Um, Well, first off, you know, I tell people I never make promises. (laughs) So, you know, whether they start treatment, um, you know, the hope is that that improves and helps them. Um, but I never make any promise or guarantee that it will. Um, however, a lot of the most common misconception is the increased risk of prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been debunked for quite a long time already. Um, some men may see an increase in PSA numbers when they start testosterone treatment. And there seems to be kind of a saturation point. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a certain level of testosterone where PSA levels can increase. And then once you push beyond that, as the prostate receptors get saturated with testosterone, then PSA numbers can actually decrease. So, um, and, um, testosterone was actually originally, um, used in breast cancer, uh, treatment, you know, in the, mm-hmm. the I think the fifties, 
Um, and what researchers did find was that testosterone can actually uh, compete with estrogen in breast tissue. Um, yeah. And so, and that may also be the case with the prostate. So, um, and uh, DHT, which is a metabolite of testosterone, has been shown to um, increase size of the prostate, but that doesn't necessarily relate to cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of the time, I do see decreases in PSA numbers when men are on uh, treatment. So again, it's getting to a certain level. So we may yeah. initially see a little bit of an increase. It's not much usually. Um, and then uh, it's, it starts to come down. Also, yeah. the risk of cardiovascular disease because uh, the FDA required a black box warning for testosterone uh, for increasing risk of cardiovascular disease, which again, you know, is there's a certain threshold. Yeah. Um, androgens or any uh, androgen or testosterone-like hormone, the more of it you have, the more it can lower HDL cholesterol, um, but it can also have a positive effect on other lipoproteins um, and actually improving cholesterol and reducing overall risk, as well as increasing the production of nitric oxide, <laughs> which um, some men will take supplements for. Beetroot is a very common one to help increase nitric oxide production, which lowers blood pressure. So by improving blood flow from testosterone literally just helps improve the uh, cells of the epithelial lining of blood vessels to produce more nitric oxide. You're increasing blood flow, decreasing blood pressure and stress and pressure on blood vessels. So there's other uh, other um, aspects that it can help reduce overall risk. And all of that stuff is is stuff that I think for some listeners are going to be like, okay, I've never heard some of this stuff. So like, I, I just literally wrote down the whole beetroot thing because I'm a guy who's on blood pressure meds, even though I have a pretty good doc who's like, you might want to look at some of these other things to like kind of supplement here because I'd love to get off of it because between cholesterol and BP meds and other stuff that's going on. Um, yeah. I'm like, I've got every scorecard against me, but just going to be real candid of being able to maintain a really good erection at this point. Right. It's like, everything's contributing to that to some degree. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm willing to talk about like, Hey, okay. First, I'm not afraid to talk to my docs about this at all. Like, Hey, here's what's going on. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of guys are afraid. Again, we're kind of back to afraid to having real conversations and not being afraid to question like, okay, is this actually the best protocol for me at my age, at my stage, given here's how much I am active. Here's how much I, you know, my sexual activity, my physical activity, you know, my dietary stuff. I think this is the thing that a lot of guys miss unless you're just really like on top of your game, so to speak. Yeah. And being in the industry, as long as I have um, one of the things, the most common thing that I do come across is, your most GPs, general practitioners are not well-versed in hormone treatment. Mm-hmm. The bulk of their patients that they're dealing with are going to be people dealing with diabetes, blood pressure, cold and flu, yep. um, you know, heartburn, acid reflux, you know, a lot of common stuff like that or allergies. Um, they're not going to really uh, be dealing with um, hormone treatment. And that's where I recommend people go to a specialist for that, mm-hmm. because obviously you're not going to go to a GP if you need brain surgery. You want right. to go to a brain exactly. surgeon, someone yep. that specializes it, and that's all they do. And so that's why I recommend people, whether it's us or another clinic or a, a doctor that um, specializes in hormone treatment, go to them mm-hmm. for that. Um, and um, even endocrinologists more commonly will deal with thyroid um, rather than testosterone treatment, um, 
So sometimes I find protocols that are set by endocrinologists for patients that will get transferring over are not um, the best either. Uh, I did have one young gentleman that unfortunately became um, infertile from being given too much testosterone at a young age Mm -hmm. um, and uh, not offered or given HCG along with it to help maintain testicular function um, Mm -hmm. when he was on it. So, um, which is something we highly recommend. Most of our male patients take when fertility is uh, definitely a concern. Um, So, but uh, so yeah, it just depends on the education um, and experience. Uh, well, but I also know that one of the things you really advocate is like, and and I, I don't, I have never heard of anybody not advocating for this yet, but I haven't talked to everybody, but, you know, making sure that there's comprehensive labs done, you know, as you start to enter into all of this stuff, that, that's one of the things, I mean, I don't go fly blindly with my cardiologist or any of this stuff without, you know, the consistent labs. I'm a guy who also suffers from kidney stones on somewhat frequent basis. I mean, the last ones were a couple of years ago, but, and prior to that, it was 10 years ago. So we were kind of really surprised that all of a sudden, boom, quote, so to speak out of nowhere, Hey, had two kidney stones in a row. Right. So now we're on a protocol where we check for these things. Well, guess what guys, part of the checking for that is comprehensive labs. Every six months I go in, we look at what's going on with, you know, all Mm -hmm. that stuff, prostate, kidney, all that stuff to just go, okay, what could possibly, we take a one little x-ray like we know we know there's a stone still in there we're looking to see if it's a growing and b is it moved is it getting large enough where they can break it apart if they had to or are we just and so far we're lucky it's just it's staying the course it's not big enough to go oh let's go laser this dang thing because it's not big enough to go in there and do that but (laughs) those labs are the window into hey here's the truth of what's going on and i think this is the beautiful thing even when i did do and for my listeners the reason i actually started on the whole testosterone replacement protocol was we were looking at how that was this affecting my my mental capacity not because i was hugely suffering with erection issues but i was actually stepping into depression Mm -hmm. and so we started looking at this really clearly along with any depressive medicines as well as this and i Honestly, have to say, I believe that's why I turned the corner in so many ways. I'm not going to say I'm completely free of depression. It hits every once in a while. Mm-hmm. This is still part of the protocol we talk about. Like, hey, do you think? And it's kind of ironic you and I are having this conversation because we're having these conversations right now. Like, hey, yeah. do you think, it, you know, I'm, I just turned 60 back in August of 2023. And, you know, we're having real conversations about this stuff. But don't you think that's part of the whole thing, Sean, is... Not being afraid to like a follow through and then realizing if you're working with somebody who's really on top of their game, you're going to go do the lab tests. You're going to be having real conversations. You're going to be checking in on a regular basis. That to me is where you can get away from places where it's like, I don't know, this seems sketchy. Yeah. I, so again, a, a traditional medicine when you have a problem, like you started experiencing kidney stones, mm-hmm. then then they start checking the blood work for that. Right. Yep. Um, I think that anybody over the age of 40 should get very extensive blood work. Yep. Um, and that's one of the things that I do. I, I take it more serious and I'm very passionate about um, certain risks. 
um, because as we get older, then we naturally develop an increased risk or predisposition to cardiovascular disease, diabetes, things like that as we get older. That's just that's just kind of the course. No matter how physically active you are, no matter how good your diet is, those chances and risks increase just with mm-hmm. age. Um, and of course, there are different things we can do to reduce those risks or improve them over time. Um, yeah. But again, it's testing for it. And I take it more serious and I'm very passionate about it because I had experienced a personal loss. Um, my, I grew up my entire, you know, young life, um, watching my father compete in triathlons. Um, so he was very athletic, very fit, um, an endurance athlete. And, you know, it's believed that endurance athletes are one of the fittest, you know, on the planet, um, because of the, you know, time that they're exercising for, you know, strength and heart and lung capacity and all that. So they have a high VO2 max, low blood pressure, strong heart, um, and at the age of 65, he was only a few years retired, but still very physically active. My father had always exercised, always seen him exercise, um, even as a kid. You know, I tried exercising with him, and of course, I couldn't keep up with him. Right. Until, you know, I started, um, you know, as a, a mid-teenager, started exercising for no um, personal, you know, desire. But uh, um, so, uh, you know, seeing him exercise for so many years at the age of 65, he had a heart attack. And, and, and died first heart attack ever. Um, so, but he was also very religious in going to the doctor every single year, getting his checkup. And he always, the doctor always said, he's, you know, a clean bill of health, you know, healthy as a horse, this and that, um, you know, normal, I'd say healthy cholesterol levels. I never got to see what his blood panels were like, but it was never something that came up. My father also was not prescribed any medication whatsoever. So no blood pressure medication, no diabetes. Um, overall, he ate very healthy, low fat. Um, you know, um, I'd say a very reasonable diet compared to most people. You know, yeah. it wasn't necessarily perfect, but otherwise very good. The only His only vice was that he would have a few drinks every day. He was in sales, so my whole life, and that was his way to de-stress at the end of the day, Um which can be another topic on alcohol consumption, but again, overall, based on the common blood work, the CBC, CMP, which is what most uh, doctors only look at, and maybe a cholesterol panel, everything's very normal. But also, if you look at statistics, um, there's a high percentage, I can't remember if it's about 20 to 30% of people that actually have heart attacks and strokes have normal healthy cholesterol by normal standards. Um, so what I'll do with men, um, is if, is if they have insurance, cause it costs a little bit more is, um, to get a uh, lipoprotein fraction testing. So it's more in depth yeah. because I've seen blood work on men that take Crestor or Lipitor and they may have normal cholesterol numbers that look healthy. The problem is, is that your normal cholesterol panel is measured in milligrams per deciliter, which is the weight of the cholesterol per measure or unit of blood. So you actually have different sizes of cholesterol. So you have small, medium, and large particles, HDL and LDL and VLDL. Excuse me. And um, so at the end of the day, it kind of poses that trick question, what weighs more, a pound of feathers or a pound of bricks? Mm-hmm. Well, they both weigh a pound, but the makeup right. of it is significantly different. 
So even myself, genetically, I don't produce very high cholesterol. My whole life, doctors said I never have to worry about heart disease. My total cholesterol ranges from like 70 to 110, total mm. cholesterol. So it's very low. So I have naturally low HDL as well, LDL. Um, however, when I did the particle testing, my risk was actually double <laughs> wow. um, because I had a lot of small LDL particles. Small LDL particles may be more at a uh, chance or risk for being oxidized, which then causes damage that then can cause damage to the epithelial or tissue lining of your blood vessels. So it may increase the risk of plaque formation. Um, there's other testing to go into further depth in that as well. Um, but uh, testing for um, lipoprotein little a and lipoprotein B, which um, Dr. Peter Atia um, tests often and in a lot of his patients, because those can be increased risk factors, as well as inflammatory markers. So a normal cholesterol panel does not include testing for inflammation of blood vessels, and it doesn't test for the different types of sizes of cholesterol particles that you may have. So Quest Diagnostics actually has a panel called Cardio IQ. They have a few different levels of the Cardio IQ as far as how in-depth that you can go. Um, but I like it because even their more basic panel gives you a breakdown of uh, the small, um, medium, and large LDLs, as well as some of the HDLs and the inflammatory markers. So... Uh, inflammation of blood vessels is what is going to be a greater risk for plaque formation on the blood vessel lining. And also um, kind of going into a little bit further, um, getting calcium score testing um, is nice, but the problem with calcium scores is even if it's low, um, it's only about uh, 30%. Uh, so calcium scoring really is a measurement of calcified plaque. So it's like scar tissue. So when plaque forms, it's first it's soft as it gets laid down, and then the body calcifies it to stabilize it to prevent it from breaking off. So calcified plaque is actually more healthy than soft plaque. Soft plaque can easily break off and then possibly form a clot mm. um, in a smaller blood vessel. So about two-thirds, or it's about 30% measurement of calcified plaque, then you may have two-thirds more that's still soft plaque. So it could be two-thirds higher, um, potentially. Um, so even though someone may decrease their risk or start decreasing plaque formation on blood vessels, it's possible over time their calcium score goes up because, again, the body is stabilizing what's already been laid down. And there are situations that I've seen and some people were able to start reversing their, their calcium scores. Hmm. Um, but again, this is other testing going beyond the basic test that most doctors don't do unless there's a problem with the basic testing. Yeah. So, and I think, yes. and that's the case that happened with my father is he didn't have any signs or symptoms of having any risk. So the doctor did not go above and beyond in any testing. Um, but again, you wouldn't assume so because he seemed so fit and healthy. The day he passed away, my mother said that he exercised that morning, was totally fine, and he was outside doing yard work, you know, mm -hmm. um, so and felt fine. Um, yeah. So um, I think that's know, a good that, I think that's a great lesson in never assume. You know, as exactly. I've gone through this journey, you know, I question everything every step of the way. I hold my physicians very accountable, like, okay, you did this. So I've actually had a calcium score. Like, so explain that even more to me. Like, what did that really show us? Is it really the bottom line? 
is there yeah. something else we need to be looking at? You know, and every step of the yeah. way, I feel like that's my role as taking care of me. I need to be accountable for me and I need to advocate. And I know that can be really hard for many of us like, okay, but they're the professionals. Yes, they, they are exactly. the professionals, yeah. but you have the right as a patient, as somebody who is, you know, you're living, breathing, human, walking set of, you know, cells and blood and all this sort of stuff. You have the right to ask these beyond the normal questions to get to the bottom as best as you can. And I, I, I love that you're encouraging people to like, see what you do as it's just another level of specialty. It, yeah. Like you so said, I wouldn't have my cardiologist. I wouldn't have my GP go work on my cardiology stuff. It would be ridiculous. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so yeah. So I do, I definitely recommend people every now and then ask to go above and beyond, you know? Mm -hmm. And one thing that, that bothers me the most about um, traditional healthcare when people have doctors is they forget the doctor is working for them. You hire the doctor. Your insurance hires a doctor. So either you or your insurance is paying that doctor's salary. You are the boss. So that means that if the doctor doesn't want to do testing or doesn't want to do further investigation in your health, you have the right to fire them and go find someone else that mm -hmm. will. Yep. Because you, like you said, you have to advocate for your own health. These doctors are not doing that. I've had it happen to so many family members, declining health that I saw. I recommended them get further testing or evaluation. They didn't ask for it or their doctor said, oh, I don't think it's necessary. And they're no longer here. Yep. So yep. Um, you really have I've to. Been, I've been, I, I have been through what you just said. I mean, I had a, a cardiologist that lots of reasons that I'm no longer with him. Um, mostly because his staff kind of screwed up some stuff. And I'm like, no, I, I want a new cardiologist. And, yeah. you know, we, I mean, I'm sorry with what we're going to pay in healthcare. We have a right to go advocate and say, nope. Is it easy sometimes to get that? No, but if you push, you can get moved very easily to somebody else. And yeah. I think this is the thing. And also back to your point of, and don't look just within the traditional realms. There's so many other ways to, you know, find other pathways. I'm constantly looking for, okay, well, what's the alternatives? What can I do that's different? How can I, you know, use some non-traditional means of getting through what I want to do? Now that doesn't mean I'm going to jump at the first thing that comes along in that realm either. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, constantly, you know, being a guy who's been, you know, interestingly watching the diabetes turn back around and go the other direction. I mean, it's been acupuncture. It's been some other stuff too. That is definitely, I know with all the things I'm doing is part of the reason that this is going back the other direction, because I've been like, okay, what else can I do? What else can I do? And I think that's the core message that we're trying to send here, you know, <clears throat> to listeners, Sean is a, you have a right. Number one, B, be open-minded and ask, you know, ask for other things. And that may mean you go seek out something like what you do with matrix and go, let's have a conversation. So yeah. if somebody wanted to learn more about like all the stuff that you work for, I mean, yes, we're going to have the website and everything, but what's the best way for them to delve deeper into, you know, working with a company like yours? Um, sometimes it is asking questions on what else that they can do to improve your quality of life and health, your health span. You know, what can you test for? You know, you can test for um, coenzyme Q10 levels. You can test for red blood cell magnesium levels. 
So, because there's a couple of tests, you know, people take magnesium supplements to try to, you know, be better. Um, and sometimes they may not take enough. So they'll say, oh, let me test my magnesium levels. Well, you can test blood um, serum magnesium, but that doesn't mean that's magnesium that's actually stored in tissue. So there's one more specific red blood cell magnesium. So that's actually uh, what magnesium is inside red blood cells that's actually being transported to other tissue in the body. So um, you can get very specific testing, you know, even heavy metal testing. So sometimes that can um, interfere with uh, uh, the nervous system, you know, or even hormones. So you can have your aluminum levels checked, mercury, lead, you know, all different kinds of things that people have hormone issues, autoimmune diseases, things like that, um, to find out what underlying condition, you know, or what uh, may be causing some of the symptoms that they have. Um, so you can test for almost anything that you can imagine under the sun, you know, there's a blood test for it. Um, so, uh, I myself even, um, uh, you know, due to cardiovascular risk in my family, I take Coenzyme Q10 supplements and I had, I was taking one in particular, bought on Amazon, had good reviews, uh, but then had my Coenzyme Q10 levels tested and they were at the bottom end of the range. So I was like, okay, well, this obviously is not a good quality supplement. So I switched. And so I'm going to be following up with testing on that pretty soon to see if that one's good and actually increasing my uh, coenzyme Q10 levels the way I want it to. Right. So, right. and you can also test your omega threes. I've hmm. seen some blood tests. People do that because they're taking fish oil. Is a fish oil a qu good quality? Is it actually helping improve? You know, because again, um, statistically, they've shown that a certain amount of omega threes will decrease your cardiovascular risk. So yeah. you can test for some of the things that you're taking as supplements to see if it's actually improving or working for you as well. Right. You know, so then you're not wasting money. You can find yep. out. Yep. And I think that's the thing that many people don't realize. It's like, okay, am I wasting money? Is this, a, you mm -hmm. know, you know, lots of stories I could continue to go into, but just being, I guess, being observant and advocating and, and pushing for your rights. It's your body. It's how you want to try to navigate whatever challenges that come along and also just being open to the journey and going, okay, what else is potentially possible? So, well, Sean, yeah. I so appreciate yeah. you speaking with us and, and being part of my, my family here at 40 plus gay men, gay talk. Guys, if you want to reach out and learn more, what's the best place to reach out to to see your programs and stuff, Sean? Oh, um, our main website, matrixhormones.com. Um, we also have a Facebook, uh, Matrix Hormones. Um, you can, um, you know, go on there and message to the support team pretty much 24-7. Someone will be Excellent. responding to you, um, whether it's on Facebook or if you send a message or an email, um, a phone call, you know, whatever it is, um, we're here to help. You know, um, Ken, the founder of the company, um, went through his own experience with hormone treatment that was done poorly, which actually made him worse. Um, and then working for other couple other different companies, didn't like the way that they ran the business model. So that incentivized him to start his own to make, um, you know, part of his focus a little bit different and the way of doing business a little bit different so that. Uh, patients and customers and clients can benefit. You know, one of the mm -hmm. things that I like that we do that other clinics or some clinics may not do, not all, um, I know some don't do it, is allowing people to use their insurance to cover the cost of blood work. Because mm -hmm. sometimes that can get a little pricey. Now, we do yeah. have contracts with Quest and LabCorp to get discounted rates if someone's insurance doesn't cover it. You know, sometimes being an out-of-state provider, because we cover all 50 states, 
um, that some insurance companies, mostly Blue Cross Blue Shield, may not cover out-of-state providers, depending on their policy. Um, so we'll have cash options. But I've experienced a lot of other clinics that force the, the patient to pay for their own blood work. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes that's a membership or monthly fee, which we don't have. Um or uh, ongoing fees, you know, with us, uh, the way Ken set it up, is want to just pay as you go for what you need. So there's no additional costs. We're very transparent about what total costs are for everything. Um, So when people ask for information, they get a pamphlet of pretty much the cost of everything right off the bat. Um, And of course, we can get, you know, detailed and other blood work as well. Um, But again, we try to make the process easy, um, but we also care a lot. You know, because a lot of us have had our own personal experiences with a failed healthcare system. Well, that means you're operating from a place of integrity, which is something our entire healthcare system could do a lot better in <laughs> so many ways. But um, yeah. Well, definitely. again, I really appreciate you being here and being part of my world and sharing with my guys at Listen, Sean. And again, everyone, there will be links to the Facebook group to the website on the show page. But I'm glad you shouted all that out, Sean. Really appreciate you. And guys, if you're struggling with anything along any of the stuff that we've covered, plus more, there's so much more information on the website. You know, again, I'm going to invite you to go be a little bit, you know, adventuresome and look at things through a different lens rather than just, you know, not saying don't go see your doctors, but also be advocating for what else is possible when you look outside the norm and see what you can do to keep yourself healthy, wealthy, and wise. So thanks again, Sean. I so appreciate it, man. You are very welcome, sir. I enjoy it. That's a wrap for 40 plus gay men, gay talk, where size doesn't matter. We drop our bullshit, get over our screwed up fears, make bold moves and live life without apologies. Don't forget to join us on Facebook at 40 plus gay men, gay talk, where the conversations continue.